0: Is a keen and curious. Platform Monica, wow, your bio is incredible. It's just stunning, and I hope we can all learn a lot today. Thank you for coming on the MLOps community meetup.
1: Thank you, Dimitris. It sounded so well like a very, very long life story. <laughs>
2: Well, that was because you had a an awesome, awesome bio. Now, for those that do not know, I'm gonna give a few announcements, then we're gonna jump into this full conversation with Monica. Thank you all for joining us. It is an absolute pleasure to have Monica here and everyone else here. The first announcement that I will make is We want this to be interactive, so feel free to ask questions throughout the presentation. Monica's got a quick few slides that we're going to go over, and then we're going to be just chatting. And so at any point, feel free to jump in, ask a question. You can put it in the Q&A tab that we have or just throw it in the chat. Feel like you are part of this because that is the beauty of being here live in real time in this meetup that you get to interact with us and we get to interact with you. Next thing I will mention is that we have an MLOps community Slack. I see a lot of familiar faces and names in here, but if you're not in the MLOps community Slack, I highly encourage you to get in it. We've got over 5,000 people now. That is unreal to me. Uh, because just a year ago, we were at less than 100. And as you all know, MLOps is blowing up. So lots of good questions, lots of smart people that are very, very kind with their time and wisdom. And if you would like, I'll put a link to that community in the chat. Last thing, over the last six years, I have been trying to create a Sorry, I said six years. I meant six months. It's definitely not six years. (laughs) Over the last six months, big difference, but it still has been a a big endeavor for myself. Six months undertaking, trying to create a landscape that will help people understand what each tool does, where it fits in the MLOps lifecycle. And right now, on our MLOps community website, we have released. The first two of the MLOps lifecycle sections, and we're calling it the compare page. So you can go on there, you can compare different tools within the monitoring space and the feature store space. And our goal is that we are going to continue doing this for every piece of the stack. So we demystify the different tools that are out there, because I don't know about you, but a lot of times I go to a website and it's an MLOps platform, or they just call themselves an AI platform. And then I poke around for quite a bit. And at the end, I go, so what did they do? And that is what I want to make sure no one has to put up with. I want to make the MLOps community site be a place where you can find information and see what the differences are between different tools and what opinions they're taking, why they differentiate themselves in one way or the other. So you can check that out on the MLOps community website. And that is as easy as just going to MLOps.community and you'll find it there without further ado. I think we can start Monica. Maybe before we jump into the slides, you can tell us a little bit of background about yourself and how you came to be where you are right now?
1: Sure, Dimitri. So first of all, thank you for such a nice intro, and I'm very glad to be here. I actually discovered a um, uh, lot meetups when I was looking information about the tools, so I'm very glad that I ended up actually here, and well, I started out on originally in machine learning uh, while I was still studying at university. I did projects for uh, CERN and Fermilab where I looked for Higgs boson and dark matter. And it turned out that, while well, when the events are very rare, such as uh, the production of Higgs boson, you always need uh, such advanced analysis methods as machine learning in order to find them happening. For those who are not too interested in physics, I'll just mention that Higgs boson is a particle responsible for all all the matter having mass. So uh, later on, actually I moved into industry and I used my experience in machine learning and also combined the experience of uh, uh, service administration and made a made myself into a profession of MLOps, which I'm very glad because it combines best of both worlds. And it actually uh, lets me use all the skills I have. It's what I like about MLOps that it's still very dynamic. It's uh, evolving. So there's a lot of space for uh, creativity as well as discovery. So I think, yeah, that these are the reasons I like the field in general. And I'm glad to be here today talking awesome. to you guys. Please shoot questions whenever you want to. I'm looking at the chat as well, so you can, can comment anytime.
2: Yeah, so let's get into it. And what we're going to do today, because... I think I find it ironic Monica and I were talking beforehand and trying to make everything work properly we did a sound check and then we tried to see if Monica's screen share would work but because she's on her work computer the screen share is disabled for zoom due to security purposes I presume and so it is my pleasure to present what Monica's slides are And what we can do is just basically anytime, Monica, you would like me to change slides, you can do a a hand wave and then I'll change so that we're both on the same page. And let's just double check, make sure that you can see my screen. Everything looks good. Yep. Perfect.
1: So yeah, today we'll be talking more about machine learning side actually. We can touch upon uh, side as well. Uh, and if you can have questions, we can discuss it. But my goal today is uh, to present uh, uh, the cybersecurity world news, like why, why we are using machine learning, why we cannot absolutely do without it. And yeah, what, what are the benefits and, and what are the, of, as well, pitfalls of machine learning in our world today? So yeah, glad to be talking to you. And let's come to another slide. So uh, uh, first of all, we'll be uh, reviewing a little bit about uh, the landscape of cybersecurity today. What are uh, common first, How the AI is being hacked? As well, we will be talking fake news, information wars. How how we are dealing with them? Uh, there. Are, tool specially aimed for them, which are called OSINT, open source intelligence. Also, we'll be talking about machine learning agent as a threat hunter. And later on, uh, we can delve into the future of cybersecurity, what kind of systems are being developed for defense and for threat hunting. So uh, to start on a higher note, you probably all learn about uh, Neuralink as well. Most of you have seen the movie how Ghost in a Shell. It's about the future. where humans and machines merge. And I think it doesn't seem so far-fetched. Possibly very soon we're going to have uh, human-computer uh, interfaces. And we can see that cybersecurity is going to touch us personally it's uh, way more important in our uh, everyday lives and it's gonna be even more and more important in the future because uh, currently our world is also run by machines. Uh, Most of uh, medical uh, uh, records are also on computers, so it touches us very personally, And talking about cybersecurity threats, well, the, uh, there is a classification for them. And most of uh, the companies around the world report uh, uh, threats. And there is, uh, I don't think so that there is a company in the world which existed for a couple of years which hasn't experienced at least one of those. So most of the companies experience external hacking, about half of them. There's also malware incidents, social engineering, spam. Uh, As for social engineering, I think all of you experience uh, phishing attacks when you get a malicious link in the email. And it's kind of hard to defend against those. So uh, first of all, we have to be smart ourselves and, and be aware of it. Also, there have been incidents of insider data leakage and theft. Um, uh, Facebook is very often. So you've probably been, uh, uh, have been experiencing a few of those. And it's getting uh, the precedence of these uh, attacks has increased in the future and move on. And talking about cybersecurity incident response, it also has a cycle, very similar as a has a cycle. So cybersecurity incident response also has a cycle. Uh, first of all, the threat is identified. Usually it's done uh, through looking into the uh, logs in your computer or any other device that's being under attack uh every system produces system message logs, and also we can use additional uh, uh, tools to log them. If you are very curious about cybersecurity uh, uh, log monitoring tools, you can look up op- open source tools such as uh, Suricata or, or ZEEK, uh, uh, and there are also more tools. And uh, the second uh, response Part is uh, protection. So uh, some protection can be done in advance, such as taking care of your access controls, not giving too much uh, of uh, permissions, also uh, being aware. So that's why companies have to train their individuals. And also companies have to protect their information. And number three is detection. Um, detection can be done also using uh, cybersecurity uh, logs, and also the systems you have uh, on top of it. You can have um, a machine learning agents looking through throughout your logs and helping to determine what kind of attack it is, or you can have an analyst sitting uh, and watching the dashboards and trying to determine that well something is wrong with the system. Obviously, machine learning agents are faster, but they are also limited to them because uh, in order to train a machine learning agent, you need to provide it with uh, the with data, you need it to provide it with expert intelligence. How th- does certain attack look in the data? So machine learning models uh, so far are as intelligent as uh, cybersecurity experts but but they are faster. So we, these are the upsides of it. And uh, number four of a uh, cycle is respond. So it's important to respond as quickly as possible uh, for very serious attacks. Uh, maybe it's like uh, CEO's account being hacked or uh, your service is ex- ex- experiencing denial of service. Then Uh, you need to respond as quickly as you can. And uh, number five, of course, is recover. Recover your service, uh, uh, continue communications, restore your service, and go on with uh, fixing the vulnerabilities in your system. So for every incident, the response uh, is cyclic. You need to go through all those steps, Uh, There is actually a pretty uh, standardized process of the response. So uh, all the cybersecurity teams are being trained on it. And of course, you need always to improve your system to eliminate the vulnerabilities as much as you can.
2: So I've got a quick question here before we move forward. On this detect part where you were talking about how machine learning models are involved, but they're only as good as the humans that uh, are doing it it's just faster does that mean that anytime there's some new attack that comes out these machine learning models are not going to be able to pick it up or is it like can you explain how that works and Yeah,
1: yeah there are i would say a couple of approaches some systems combine both if it's an advanced um, machine learning detection system can have both. So one of them is uh, pretty simple. You simply look for anomalies. So uh, here you can uh, also detect a new kind of attacks. So if you sense an anomaly, it could be uh, different network patterns or also some different logging in patterns. Uh, the machine learning system could simply sense an anomaly. And also uh, uh, there's uh, another type of machine learning system, which detects already uh, behavior, the behavior it was trained on. For example, it could detect like that somebody locked in into the system and try to elevate their uh, privileges to become uh, the root user. So in this case, uh, uh, the system should be trained on scenarios. Uh, An advanced machine learning system could have both. It could have both uh, anomalies and scenarios. Uh, But of course, I think nothing can change a cybersecurity expert with the experience because, well, as far as for machine learning systems, of course, we train them, but I think they're can always possibly be blind spots and, uh, and and experienced cybersecurity experts could notice that. So I think uh, the best way to see it is that uh, uh, machine learning and cybersecurity should work in tandem uh, and that machine learning could automate some uh, usual regular uh, tasks like regular text and make the work for uh, expert faster. Mm-hmm. But in general I think so far we cannot cannot replace experts completely.
2: Yeah cool. thank you.
1: Okay, so uh, another reason to use machine learning is actually that we're experiencing a huge expert shortage. So, if anybody watching is still considering a career in cybersecurity, it's a good decision because the need is only is only gonna grow in the future. And for now, we are already missing about four million uh, experts worldwide. So this means that um, well, the current experts have to work harder, have to find ways to, to make everything more automated and faster. And basically, we cannot do away without machine learning because it helps to, helps to at least reduce the, the stress experience by the shortage of specialists. And looking at the current world, uh, I mean, uh, cybersecurity threats are all around us. Uh, first of all, all of you experience the uh, damage fake news can do. And uh, sadly, machine learning only made it easier to produce fake news and, and fake videos. But on the other side of the coin, machine learning is also being used to combat fake news. So, uh, the algorithms, uh, similar algorithms could be used also to detect whether the videos are fake, whether the uh, comments are uh, too, too different in sentiment, meaning if uh, fake news is usually uh, targeted to, uh, to produce a reaction in users. And if we have a very contrasting Opinions and comments, we could also detect that it could be a fake news, uh, uh, fake news. uh, uh. And another thing that's uh, very relevant today is uh, uh, hacking machine learning systems. So turns out that uh, face recognition algorithms are not absolutely accurate. They can be hacked with a face mask and various different methods. And this might mean that, uh, well, it's not an absolutely ideal method of uh, person identification. And the the more accurate, the more safe one today is still using fingerprint recognition. And as far as talking about uh, Defense systems today, they're actually, uh, uh, there are drones uh, being used uh, for automated defense systems. And cybersecurity here is also very crucial. The defense system itself is also something, well, uh, could be considered as part of cybersecurity because it's very automated. Many machine learning algorithms are also being used to, to pick targets. So basically, the same recommendation engines that are being developed to sell us uh, relevant products, they are also being used to pick uh, relevant targets and also optimize which, which type of rockets should be used in defense systems. And another one I would like to draw your attention to is cybersecurity in in hospitals. Actually, sadly, last year, we had a first victim of cybersecurity incident, the first death in a hospital because the hackers hacked into the hospital and encrypted the medical records of the patient. and Doctors were not able to help the patient. So we're seeing that, well, cybersecurity importance is is growing. And and these days, it's also a question uh, of life and death, as well as if you would uh, talk about automated autonomous uh, cars. So you possibly remember also from last year that uh, Teslas were hacked with uh, modifying the speeding limit signs which resulted in uh, a car accelerating uh, where it should have been uh, driving at 30 miles per hour. So it accelerated much faster because it perceived it as 80 miles per hour. So it could have ended in an accident. Uh, uh, Well, this time uh, the driver was lucky, but and we realized, well, cybersecurity is going to be more important in the future. And machine learning also can be hacked in very uh, unstraightforward ways, I would say. It's very often unpredictable. And we should be careful about using machine learning, too. It it has its flaws in certain scenarios. Uh, we should have, I think... Uh, uh, systems to protect us because human life is at stake. And I was talking about uh, internet so the, the, we usually use uh, a small uh, small part of the whole web. Uh, the web is much much deeper. Uh, some of you might have heard of dark web so this is where, our uh, open source intelligence tools uh, come to action. Uh, most of the web we use is publicly available. It's surface web. It's public profiles. Everything on Wikipedia, Yahoo, and such all such platforms. Also, deep web is more like for forums. What you can read inside the forums. It's not uh, easily indexed and searchable, but the most interesting part I would like to draw attention is dark web because this is where the most crimes happen. So it's uh, both uh, people tra- trafficking and drug sales and and all the illegal activity. So cybersecurity is also uh, responsible, I would say, for the dark web security. We have tools. Uh, the also, government is, uh, is making actions to be able to track what's happening on dark web, to be able to find criminals, to, uh, to find legal action. And this is also where machine learning and web crawlers are coming in. And it forms one huge area of cybersecurity, which is called open source intelligence. Uh, we we will be discussing this today as well. So if you have questions, feel free to drop them in the chat. So, yeah, you can change slide.
2: I see there is a question coming through in the chat. Yes. Asking about how to get into cybersecurity as an outsider. What kind of skills are needed?
1: Yeah, so uh, it depends which side of you it you want to work. Because you can work as... Uh, as an expert in monitoring the systems. And also with the profession is called analyst. And also you can work as a product developer, which I had chance to do that as well. So I basically, I came from machine learning background and I joined in the project, actually two projects, which used my- as a developer. But you can also contribute as an analyst if you like to digging through system logs and discovering hacker patterns, learning about uh, malicious behavior. If it's that your kind of thing, then you would be aiming to be an analyst. And um, well, in some cases, so you can of course graduate from computer science also, but there are also many online courses you can. You can use, and uh, it's in cybersecurity. We have uh, quite a few standard certificates. Uh, so you can uh, you can uh, you, after you you learn in, in the courses, you can pass a certificate, and you can try at entry role in cybersecurity or if you like creating products, you can just you know develop your coding skills and and try to join a company where products are being developed and
2: there is something also interesting that I've heard of, and maybe we can talk about this because I just saw something on LinkedIn of uh, a connection of mine got a sixty thousand dollar bounty because they did mm-hmm. they found a bug or a potential security threat for Microsoft. And so once you get to that level, I imagine that is a completely different level where you're the one that knows a lot about the vulnerabilities and you're able to go in and try and exploit those vulnerabilities.
1: Yeah, so I don't know how it's gonna end, but I think this sum is pretty low for for the... I mean, for the impact it would have for the Microsoft users. So, I don't know. It might end well for the, for, for the person. But, yeah, in general, it's very common. Uh, uh, usually, uh, usually uh, there are proced- pro- usual procedures for, for the users who discover bugs to report those. But I think yeah, in this case, they will just want some some profit. So it might work. It might work because for Microsoft, I think it's 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 a minor thing. But
0: and in this area, one. yeah, it's oh, very sorry.
1: it's very common. And also, yeah, and also asking uh, asking uh, money for. Uh, 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 for encrypted data and, and and so on, so it's, it's cybersecurity is uh, is crucial thing and and sometimes even like uh, in a case of uh, of a crime, companies are also willing to pay uh, uh, bounties to get their data back even before the the crime can be solved by the police because they need the data so much. So, yeah,
2: yeah, along those lines, it's fascinating because I think I just saw some news about how some states in the U.S. are considering making it illegal to pay the ransomware. And so that would put companies in a very big pickle if it were to happen like that. But just moving on, I see there's another question in the chat and it's asking, do you think governments and organizations are serious about cybercrime?
1: Yeah, so I think the area is evolving very quickly. And uh, even though governments uh, are protecting the uh, their most important assets, it's I mean there's always room for vulnerability. Uh I noticed that governments are taking actions, they're aware of it, but the problem is that the hackers evolve very quickly and they also use the most modern tools and it's hard for governments to keep up. So that's why we still have such problems as you know, power plant being hacked, which could end in catastrophe, of course. And we also have, like governmental systems being hacked for very often for political reasons as well as uh, as a part of information war between countries. So yes, governments are uh, are taking action. I think uh, I hope so that in the future is is there is there is going to be even more focus because. Uh, because the hacker tools are becoming more advanced they exploit the machine learning as well and also also various automations. they are smart, they are fast and yeah so we we need actually the same people sitting on 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 our side on on the protecting the critical infrastructure because I think the best, uh, the best people to, to identify threats and, and defend the infrastructure are the ones who actually know the best ways to hack them. So governments are also making events where they let uh, people participate in, a, well, it's called like white hat hacking, where you participate and, and try to hack some, some system and present your findings. So, so yeah, I think in the future we're we, we gonna have even more attention to that. Excellent. Yeah, and the tool I mentioned, open source intelligence. So what what, what is that? It's actually a system which is gathering the data on the internet, uh, which crawls the internet as you see on left hand side, uh, it can crawl information gather it from your public profiles from, from uh, chats from social, all the social networks, uh, also from all your posts. So for example, if you posting something you attach uh, the location tag, it can also crawl that uh, and it uses machine learning algorithms to Make sense of that data. So I I was also working on an open source intelligence tool, and we used machine learning to recognize objects in in photos. We also used it to uh, uh, to analyze sentiments in text. So you you can sense that it basically with the machine learning you can know. Uh, like gather all the information about the subject you're looking at. Uh, we The usual jargon uh, for this subject is uh, entity. So entity can be anything. It can be a person. It can be a company. It can be an university. It can be an organization, uh, maybe uh, some uh, group of activists as well. So ASIN helps to gather this information over time. So basically you can use the crawlers uh, uh, regularly to gather information about something that's happening. Maybe you want to, for example, gather information about, about you, Demetrius. So the things I could find. Uh, it could be like the university you went to like uh, the places you tagged in your photos and so on and so on so All as the far songs as i'm saying yes yes so this is pretty sensitive information so the use of these tools is also limited usually for uh, safety reasons for governments uh, for for the institutions which have uh, contracts, also with social media pro, uh, uh, platforms. So, for example, Facebook has a contract with uh, uh, government of France, so they can provide some information for them. So, this uh, this use requires special permissions, but it. But this is also, I would like you to know that this is a very powerful tool for tracking what's happening on the internet. So for example, if we would have some kind of uh, fake uh, fake news uh, action organized by some group, we could already detect uh, the group that's making those spreading those fake news because we would see the whole uh, graph of uh, interconnected people, interconnected uh, uh, topics, which are happening within that network. And we could almost pinpoint everybody participating in, in the action. So it's a very powerful tool. It collects more information than one human can comprehend and analyze. So this is the power of uh, machine learning, basically, and, and statistical methods. And actually, this kind of tool uh, could have prevented uh, 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 elections from being uh, uh, affected by the, also by the targeted advertising, which you probably are aware of, of Cambridge Analytica scandal mm-hmm. as well. So this kind of tool could help to notice that some kind of organized action is happening on the internet regarding some some event, as for example, as elections. So I think in the future, these tools are going to be even more popular for governments. Many governments uh, already have something like this and they're already developing to make it like smarter, more intelligent, and this is actually also a very interesting career path if uh, you like working with machine learning, because you get to combine many different algorithms, so both like image recognition and sentiment analysis and and many more. Using OSINT actually, you can learn how to use machine learning in real time. Usually, the architectures of these tools include streaming, real real time data analysis, and also a, a graph representation of uh, different kind of entities spread on 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 your uh, on your analysis. So. Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting. It's very extensive. A good thing is that you don't need to train all the algorithms. You can already use many of uh, advanced algorithms uh, developed by by Google and Facebook, for example, the Bert uh, language algorithm. Also use the image recognition algorithms for object detection, and so on. These kind of tools uh, can also be used to track. Uh, 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 to track uh, military equipment on the internet. So, for example, governments very often have uh, those tools as well to to basically look: Are uh, there new types of uh, of uh, military uh, uh, machines are emerging, or, or do we have some? Uh, some more action, uh, more, for example, trainings, military trainings happening, and so on. So OSINT is basically an eye for, for the internet, for what is happening on the web.
2: Wow. So this is really interesting to me, and it's a little bit outside of the scope of our chat mm-hmm. right now, but this tool of course, with great power comes great responsibility. It feels like it could be very much abused if any of these governments wanted to use this for nefarious reasons.
1: Yes, so that's why actually social networks are trying to protect their data. Uh, Like, a while ago, it wasn't such a concern, but when uh, the, like, the uh, we, last year's uh, use of uh, various scraping uh, mechanisms also has evolved. So, uh, yeah, all of those social networks have uh, some um, have rules uh, which uh, actually don't allow to use it. And uh, it can be used only with uh, within governmental contexts. So you, it means you would be have to working for some uh, governmental project in order to have permission to do that. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm glad that you know that uh, social networks these days try to protect their data. They try to uh, to protect against bots scanning their systems. So yeah, it, it, these these are good intentions, and I hope our data is safe in general. Of course, it cannot be absolutely safe because hackers are also getting smarter. Hmm. But yeah.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. It's It's also a little bit, I mean, even with government agencies being able to use it, that also kind of scares me. I don't know about you, but the um, news and the trust that I have in me coming from the U.S., The trust that I have in the U.S. government is not that high in how they are using and spying on its people. But that's a whole nother conversation. So we can continue with this and get into that philosophical conversation and the ethics piece in a different time.
1: Okay. Yeah. So... We also another engines. Yeah, used to analyze the data, usually in in real time. Uh, data can be streamed from various sources, so meaning it could be autonomous cars, it could be a power plant, even a nuclear power plant. So you realize how important it is to protect it. Also uh, other power, power generators, it could be your laptop or it could be a, a communication satellite and so on. So most of uh, those systems are crucial to our everyday lives, to our everyday uh, communicating, driving and basically use of electricity. So it's becoming even more important to protect those and machine learning agents uh, analyze data from those systems in real time, and they can alert uh, humans. Uh, So far, uh, usually humans are the ones who making decisions like what kind of action to take. Maybe in the future, when we are closer to AGI, we're gonna have machine learning agents deciding what to do with the Uh, those systems. But so far, humans are usually involved. And what I'd like to emphasize that, you know, even though like we don't like to being uh, like being uh, spied as well, but these uh, cybersecurity tools can also help to protect um, the most crucial assets uh, in our lives. So, there are two sides of the coin and and yeah and I think in the future there will be even more attention to protecting uh protecting these assets and there is also uh a, a special uh like area of cybersecurity, it's uh, uh power plant security because power plants also have uh like their in, internals way, way, internal ways of working of controlling it. So people also study how power plants work, and how to uh, protect them, how to detect the malicious activity, and so on. So I think this is also one area where you combine, you can combine both like the interesting industry and also your uh, cybersecurity skills as well. So you can see that cybersecurity is. Like in many areas of our lives, and yeah, and and you can work, in, you can have fun working in in different different environments. Yeah, so I had a chance also to work on a project where we made a uh, distributed uh, uh, machine learning cybersecurity system, where we had to have agents on. Each, uh, each node of the system, meaning each each computer, I could say, uh, because we could not move the data to central location. There was a requirement from, uh, from our customers that they don't want to transfer the data from the system to central location or, due to safety reasons, so we developed a unique uh, distributed system which could analyze the data on each it's not separately. So yeah, these are these are the use cases. And yeah. And yeah, I could also recommend you if you would like to learn a bit more about uh, where we're going and also the current state of uh, artificial intelligence. You could read the book "AI Superpowers" by Kai-Fu Lee. It's a very interesting book. You could also sense the approach China is taking when they're using actually most of the data that human can generate and what are they achieving with it. I think some of it is going to land here as well, just in another another form, in different kind of approach. But because uh, like this... uh, uh, people monitoring it can also help us like for example with safety in the streets uh, and and so on so i think in the future we're gonna see some some approaches of that uh, in our society too um
2: talk about that a little bit more uh, what approaches are like what's the difference main differences that you're you see between china and and the western world and how yeah i think it. the
1: main one is the approach to the use of data it's uh very i would say little regulated like mm. uh, a lot of data is uh, openly used by the government for example people are being monitored how they cross the streets do they behave well and also do they drive well do they i mean uh, a lot of our behavior is uh, openly monitored. Mm-hmm. There are upsides of it; it increases safety. And for us, it might seem maybe strange. Maybe for our like for more democratic view, it seems like uh, our uh, our privacy is being disturbed. Totally. But I think in some way we're gonna see it. For example, maybe uh, the traffic could be monitored in the streets in order you know to prevent accidents or or to like to get more uh, more information where accidents happen and how they happen some i think some of those ideas is, is coming to us as well so i think it's a good look into how far ai can go when when the use of data is very little uh, uh, like uh, well, it's not very limited, and uh, this is also the reason why uh, China is advancing so much in this area, but I think it's fun to try to imagine how it can look in in, in a democratic in uh, democratic kind of culture. Maybe I think. Uh, We are going the same direction, but our implementations might be different. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think it's really interesting also what's happening in the EU with the new regulation that's coming out, because I know that they specifically said in the new EU regulation that you can't do this kind of social scoring. That's not going to be allowed. And those those things that they explicitly say no to but then like you say how is it going to sneak in in other ways and how is it going to happen within a democratic democratic society as opposed to what's going on in china so this is super fascinating i really enjoy talking to you about all of this thank you monica for the presentation is is there another slide? I think that's it for the slides. I'm gonna stop sharing right now. And are there any any other questions from anyone? I think I I had one. Oh, uh, we got some people saying that they loved it. I had that's one fun. back at the beginning when you were talking about. And I know we're almost out of time, but when you were talking about the different kinds of hacks and how different hacks happen, but now I can't, I can't find it nor remember it. So I think that is a sign that we should probably just stop and I'll try and talk to you offline about the question that I had, if it ever comes back to me.
1: Okay. And and you can guys, you can find me on LinkedIn. So if you still have questions, feel free to ping me. Uh, and I had really fun talking to you. So thank you for the, all the good comments.
2: Yeah, this is so amazing. And there's so many insights and ways that machine learning is being used that I had no idea about. I really appreciate you coming on here and showing these slides. The slides are beautiful, too, by the way. Anyone who is listening to this in the future, you may want to check out the slides on YouTube if you can. But I I guess that's it. We're going to call it a day. And Monica, again, thank you. We will see everyone later. Thank you all for joining us. And
0: yeah, take care.
1: Thank you, guys.